Well, it's Christmas Eve, and it's already dark. So Christmas is almost here, and I wonder what you're excited about. I'm excited about presents. How about you? You too. All right. I want to know how many of you are excited about presents. I don't believe you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're excited about presents. I think more of you that, yeah, there you go. That's more honest. All right. It it is so fun to give presents, but let's be honest, it's really fun to get them. It's just really, really fun to open a present. It's just really wonderful to give and receive presents. It's a wonderful thing we do every year at this time of year. Uh, This year, uh, two of my grandchildren discovered the Grinch. Yes, the Grinch who stole Christmas. And uh, my four-year-old granddaughter, Myra, got, just got enamored with the Grinch this year, just fascinated by his character. And so they watched the Grinch a couple of times. And so Myra and her little brother, Wesley, age four and two, they began to play the Grinch. Uh, and so they would sneak under the Christmas tree where their mother, my daughter, had wrapped uh, presents beautifully. And they would sneak off with the presents and giggle on the way. And then they'd go hide the presents. And uh, they really enjoyed being really bad and pretending to be uh, the Grinch and being really naughty. Uh, And then later, if they remembered, they, of course, they'd put the tree, the presents back and they tried to remember. And sometimes their mother had to help them, but they, they really enjoyed being the Grinch. And one reason they enjoyed it and got into it is they kind of just knew intuitively and instinctively that presents at Christmas is a really big deal. So it's kind of fun to pretend to steal them because you kind of feel the weight of it. And of course, you got to take them back when you remember and because you feel the weight of it. And so this is the Christmas season. And this is the season when we give each other gifts and receive gifts. Why? All through the world in this day that is coming, all over the world, people are and will be giving each other gifts. Why? Why do we do it at this time every year? What is the big deal? Why is it so wonderful and why do we do it? Our passage today is a really old story about why we give gifts at Christmas and it helps us tune in to God's greatest gift for us. So if you will, will you please read it with me? It's from the Gospel of Matthew. This is the first gospel in the New Testament. And actually, this is the first story in the first gospel. Matthew's gospel begins with a genealogy. So you can connect the story of Jesus to some, some significant people from the Old Testament, the earlier part of the biblical story. But this is the first actual story in the first actual gospel. And here's what it's telling us about God's greatest gift. The birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Will you read it with me? It's printed on the ninth page of your worship guide. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now join me in this brief liturgical response. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, and the word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. All right, why is it that you and I uh, give presents on Christmas Day? Really and truly, we're celebrating the generosity of God, that God himself has given us his greatest gift. So I want to show you actually from the passage that the birth of Jesus Christ is God's greatest gift from God. And then I want to show you that it's for us, God's greatest gift God's present, the birth of Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to see that this gift, the birth of Jesus Christ, is clearly from God. So look at what the passage says. It's really interesting. Mary and Joseph are betrothed. And while they're betrothed, that is before they're actually married, Mary is with child. And the passage says from the Holy Spirit. Let me explain the word betrothed to to you for a minute so you understand just how interesting this passage is this story is see in the ancient world uh, when people got betrothed it was more serious than engagement it wasn't complete total marriage but it was very very legally bonding here's what would happen someone like joseph the groom the husband-to-be and someone like mary the bride-to-be they would get with their families they would bring their families together and they would pledge to marry one another and that's called betrothal and it's a very legally bonding agreement as a matter of fact it's so strong and legally bonding that to break the betrothal would be called divorce even though they're not fully married yet but then this is what would happen after they were betrothed they committed themselves to each other this is really important the husband in this case joseph would go with his own family and he would live with his family typically for the next year And Mary, she would go live with her family for the next year. They're betrothed. They already belong to one another. But Joseph would have lived with his family and Mary with hers. That is, they were not living together. And all of a sudden, Mary, who's living not with Joseph, but with her own family, she's with child. And we're told in this first story in the New Testament that she's with child because of the agency of God through the Holy Spirit. God is acting to bring his own son into the world because this is what Christians believe all across the globe and all through the centuries. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And Mary understands she's been told that's what's happening in her. But Joseph doesn't know it yet. And so that puts him in a very tight predicament. Joseph hears that his betrothed Mary, who he doesn't live with, she's pregnant. And he's a, the passage tells us, the story tells us, he's a good guy. So since he is not the father of the baby and his betrothed wife is now expecting a baby, he plans to do what any good boy in the first century would have done. He plans to divorce her. That is to end the arrangement, to end the betrothal. And he's a good guy, so he's not going to do it in the most shameful way, the most public way. He's gonna, he is going to end this engagement, this betrothal, but he's going to do it in the most merciful and kind way that he can. 
And he's, that's what he's decided. And he's kind of pondering it and what happens. He must have fallen asleep because after he decided to do that and while he's kind of thinking through it, an angel appears to him in a dream and tells Joseph the same thing the story has told us. The angel come and, comes and says, Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is the reality of the incarnation that we believe. That Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is God's greatest gift. Jesus is fully God. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. And fully man born of the Virgin Mary. And this is great news for you and me. Jesus Christ has come to save us and reconcile us to God. And he can because he's fully God, the eternal son of God and fully man born of the Virgin Mary. That is great news. Now, you know, I I bet a lot of you are going to have some fancy meals tonight. And uh, I should have invited you to come to my house for a really fancy uh, Christmas Eve meal. Just imagine I invited you to my house and we're going to have some super fancy peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because that's what you eat on Christmas Eve. And so you're going to come to my house and I'm going to give you, I got your favorite strawberry jam that you asked for. I got the bread that you wanted and I got the crunchy peanut butter because everyone who knows what's up, we eat crunchy peanut butter. So anyway, we got all, it's all ready for us to make these sandwiches and have this nice Christmas meal. And there you are, I give you your jam, you know, that great strawberry jam and the bread, just the bread you wanted. And then I slide that peanut butter jar over to you. And on that peanut butter jar, there's the the appropriate yellow cap because it's crunchy peanut butter. There's a big label in the front that says, this is peanut butter. And then you open that jar to make your sandwich. And what's in that jar is warm mayonnaise that's already separating the oil from the rest of it. How do you feel about that? Are you going to make a mayonnaise and jelly sandwich? No, you're not. Well, what if I had taken that jar and not just given you a peanut butter jar with a label on the front? What if I got two other labels on the side and a label on the back? So now it's got four labels that say that it's peanut butter. And what if I put a sticker from the manufacturer on top that says, this is crunchy peanut butter. And yet when you open it up, it's warm mayonnaise in the jar. How are you going to feel about that? Well, you're going to feel like I tricked you. You're going to feel like this is not what you signed up for. Well, I just want you to know that this is what Christians believe about the incarnation. We believe that Jesus Christ is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, fully God, fully man. That's what we believe. We're not embarrassed by it at all. But there are some places that have steeples and sanctuaries and Christian words and Christian symbols, but they don't believe in the incarnation of the Son of God. I want you to know, I'm not trying to be offensive. That's a little bit like mayonnaise in a peanut butter jar. It isn't the real thing. And we don't want to be unkind about that. Here's why we want to insist that you must believe the real thing. Jesus Christ as fully God and fully man is God's greatest gift to the world. And we don't want anyone to miss out on that great gift, that present from God himself. He is from God. He's God himself. Very God, very God in our humanity. The eternal son who entered into time itself. The agent of the creation of all things who became a creature who came into this story and lived as one of us. This is the incarnation and it's great news. He is God's greatest gift. The best present from God, the reconciling Savior. That's who Jesus is. He's from God. But I also want you to see in the passage that he's for us. The angel said to Joseph, hey, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
And then he says, and she will, it's verse 21, and she will bear a son and you will name him Jesus. Now, that we're familiar with that, lang- that name, Jesus. In the first century, here's what Joseph would have heard. You shall name him the Lord saves. You shall name him the Lord is salvation. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. I want you to know this is pulling a major thread that goes out through the whole biblical story. And I want you to know that this sinner, it's one of my favorite threads that's in the whole biblical story. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible as one whole big story, a major theme throughout the whole thing is that God is so generous and kind that he not only gives us the lives that we live, but when we rebel against him, he grants us his forgiveness and he reconciles us to himself so that we can receive life as a gift and live as his people. So I want to prove that to you by just reminding you that the Old Testament is full of metaphors about God's plan and his willingness to forgive. Do you remember? These are coming from the Old Testament. God says to those who believe in him, I will cover your sins. That's a great metaphor. I won't look at them. I'll cover them. I'll hide your sins from myself. What a great metaphor. I'll cover them. Another way God says the same thing is I'll take your sins and I'll throw them behind my back. I choose not to look at your sins. Another uh, metaphor God uses it like an accounting metaphor. He says, I will not reckon your sins to you. They're really your sins and you really are guilty, but I won't credit it to you. Those debts won't accrue to you. I will not count them against you. There's another metaphor. It's one of my favorite. God says it twice and through the prophet Isaiah, he says, I will blot out your sins. I love that one. Blot out is the ancient way you removed stain. You couldn't go to Target in the ancient world and buy a fancy stain remover. What you did was when there was a nasty stain, you took a big piece of, of material, of cloth, and you filled it with water and you pressed it down on that stain and you blotted it out. The water would eventually wash out the stain. Yahweh, the true God, looks at his people and and says, I will blot out your sins. What's he saying? I will remove the stain. I know you sinned. You know you sinned, but there won't be a record of it. I'll even wipe the stain away. And so uh, the, the psalmist believes this so richly. The psalmist at one point says, this is how great you are. You're the God that removes our sins from us as the east is from the west. What a powerful separation. Remember, that's an ancient world poetic metaphor. So it doesn't mean like, you know, for us, separating our sins from us, east is from west would mean they would meet again in China, but not in Psalm 103. No, they imagined a world, a flat world. And so to separate your sins from you, to remove them from you as the east is from the west means that you and your sins will never meet up again in any dark alley. They'll never count against you. Likewise, God says, I will trample, not you, but your sins under my feet and I will roll up my sleeves and bring all your sin and guilt to myself and I will hurl your sins into the depths of the sea. You can read that in Micah chapter seven. See, the Old Testament is full of metaphors where God says, I'm a forgiving God and I love to be gracious and generous and to forgive your sins and those who believe in me you will experience my forgiveness so look at the greatest present god ever sent us it's his own son and his name is the lord saves why he will save his people 
from their sins. How do you make sure you're in that group? He will save his people from their sins. If you believe in his son, the one he sent, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born the Virgin Mary for you, if you believe in him, you are God's people and all your sins are washed away, forgiven and forgotten in him. Jesus is God's greatest present and he's from God and he's for you and me. And finally, I want you to see one more thing. It's not just that Jesus, God has given us a great present in Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is the very presence of God because he's very God, a very God. Look at verse 22 with me. Uh, what does, how does Matthew wrap it up? Look at what he says. All this took place. Paul's right there. This is Matthew's claim. This happened All this took place. The Holy Spirit really came upon Mary and through the holy, mysterious agency of the Spirit, she was expecting a baby. She really was a virgin who really had this baby conceived by the Holy Spirit. He really was born to be the Lord saves, to deal with the sins of God's people. But all this uh, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet or through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That is really and truly great news, that in Jesus Christ, we have God with us, the very one who paid for our sins, who really bears and is God's presence to you and me. You know, there's a lot of big figures uh, during the Christmas season that we often kind of think about. Um, I'm contending that Jesus Christ is the greatest one, but Meyer and Wesley have gotten interested in the Grinch. And I just want you to know that you're free to like all these various figures on, at the Christmas season. As a matter of fact, children, you're free to like Santa Claus. And just for a minute, so you'll see how great Jesus is, I just want to compare Santa Claus, who I like a lot with Jesus, okay? I want you to know I like Santa. I like his red outfit. I like his sleigh, and I like that he's really generous. Isn't he generous? I mean, he gets up, he flies through the whole night. Those elves, they work all year long. They get presents for boys and girls all over the globe. That is really kind and really generous. Matter of fact, children, don't forget, uh, tomorrow we're going to worship here at 1030 in the morning, and if you get a great present tonight, you can bring it here, and I'd love to see it tomorrow morning at 1030. You're welcome to show me. Just no live animals, please. Anyway. So Santa is really great and you're free to like him. And you know, right tonight we're looking at like an ancient story from the gospel of Matthew about Jesus. You know, there's some traditional songs about Santa that help us understand uh, who he is and what he came to do and why you might want to like him. You know, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice Well, the implication there is he's got gifts for boys and girls around the world who are naughty, sorry, sorry, who are not naughty, but are the nice ones. That's who gets the presents from Santa. And that's still really nice of him and generous of him. Uh, You know, he knows if you are sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So you better be good for goodness sake. In other words, Santa is really generous. But what he does is he gives gifts to little boys and girls who are not naughty, who are nice and who are good but not bad and so you are free to like santa because that's a very nice thing to do and he works really hard to do that but don't you see that the present god has for us in jesus christ who is god's very present is so much better 
Jesus has come. And just think about him for a minute. He was born, conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And he lived his life, his whole life perfectly. In other words, he was never, ever naughty. And at the end of Jesus' life, he who was never, ever naughty, you know what? He was treated as though he was very, very, very naughty. He wasn't naughty, but he was treated like he was. Why? So that you and I could experience the gracious and generous forgiveness of God. All of our sin and guilt and shame was put on him. So that our sin and guilt and shame would be erased, dealt with, so that we could experience the forgiveness of God, and having our sins wiped away could experience the presence of God. I told you about uh, Myra being very excited about the Grinch this year. And at one point, uh, she was really uh, interested in that part about his heart change. Y'all remember that part of the Grinch story? You know, at the beginning, he's a pretty bad guy. He's, he's stealing Christmas and he's got a heart. It's two sizes too small. But at the end, he experiences people's joy when they don't have any presents. And he realizes that Christmas is more than just the presents and the decorations and the roast beast. And so it kind of moves him. And all of a sudden his heart uh, grows and grows. And here's Myra's interpretation of the heart change of the Grinch. She said to her mother, Mama, before his heart changed, the Grinch didn't know that Christmas is about baby Jesus. Now, I'm no film critic, so I can't tell you what, I, I, don't, I have no idea what the Grinch does or does not know. I don't know about that. Meyer might be right. But I want you to know that Jesus is God's greatest gift. Jesus is God's gift for you. Jesus is God's forgiveness for everyone who would believe in him. Jesus is God's gift for you. He is God's very presence. He is God with us. Jesus, our Emmanuel. I'm gonna pray and invite you to pray with me. And after that, we're gonna sing his praises as it's right to do. We're gonna sing a medley at the end of that time. We're gonna light some candles. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. Will you join me in praying? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how thankful we are to be in the midst of this gift-giving season. Thank you, Father, for loving us and sending your Son as your greatest gift. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing Jesus into the womb of the Virgin Mary. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for our salvation. We belong to you. Help us see you and your gracious goodness and respond to you with faith. And then even imitate you and joyfully give gifts to one another and give you thanks. Now fill us with the same spirit who brought the son into the world as we sing the praises of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you?